Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Most of my white friends are, have have been taught not to even talk about race. Yes. I don't, don't even talk about it. Don't even bring it up. Why are you bringing up race? Why are you bringing up color? Why? Right. Everybody's right, right. a human. Right. And so, you know, I've been, I've been, Mark, I've had the same as that calls coming from all over the country. My white friends call me and say, hey, Daryl, man, listen, I saw a post. Well, hey, Daryl, man, listen, I don't see color. And I said to them, <laughs> one of my neighbors, I said to them, I said, what color is that right there? He said, oh, that's green. What color is that right there? Oh, that's red. What color is that? That's brown. I said, well, you see color. I said, and when you don't see me, when you say to me, I don't see you, then you're robbing me of my entire yeah. being. You're, tr- you're robbing me of my beautiful blackness, my essence of who I am. So take all of me. I think that's just a cop-out way of saying, um, it's a cop-out way of folks saying to me, um, hey, um, that's a cop-out to say I don't see color. Welcome back to another episode of the Look Up Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Weinstein. And as always, I just wanted to start with a debt of gratitude to all of you for listening, following along, and learning with me. If you're loving the show, uh, please share it with your friends. Give us a good review on iTunes. You can sign up for the Patreon community. I should be releasing more messages on that. Um, And participate in our Facebook group. Leave comments on the Instagram. Reach out to me via email. There's so many ways to get involved. Uh, Just really... Or just keep listening, you know, just love that there's so many of you out there that are getting value out of this show. And today's episode comes at a perfect time. Um, It's a timely episode in which we speak about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, the murder of George Floyd, uh, the calls for defunding the police, and a lot of the anger and fear, uh, rage, resentment, divisiveness that has been pouring through our digital media landscape over the last few weeks and months. The subjects of this conversation and and my guests today are Daniel O'Connor, Daryl Green, and Loretta Blackledge. Daniel and I had recorded an episode in November of last year uh, while I was researching the criminal justice system. And as some of you know, if you've been listening, my computer was stolen and seven episodes were taken with that computer and all of them were actually on criminal justice reform. Daniel and I decided that we were going to do another episode together in the future to discuss his company, Panacea Media. Panacea is creating a new media platform to highlight our shared humanity, forgiveness, and the resilience of our society. Uh, Most media today is divisive. Most media today plays on our fears, on our base emotions. Panacea is created to show us that there's more to the story um, through stories like the ones that Daryl Green and Loretta Blackledge are going to share on this episode. Uh, both Daryl and Loretta had a immediate, an immediate family member murdered. Daryl's brother was stabbed at knife point in 1988. Uh, Loretta's son, Smook, was shot and killed in Baltimore, I believe in 2006. The common thread here is that both of them 
have chosen to forgive the murderer of their loved one. And I can't imagine what that experience has been like. And they share some of that with us. And both of them live in Baltimore. Um, Both of them grew up there in black communities. And they have a lot to say about the current situation. I found this conversation to be challenging at times. Uh, It takes us all a bit of time to warm up and to share uh, the deeper reflections that we have with one another and feel that it was a safe space to do so. And I think now more than ever, it's important to have these nuanced conversations, these uncomfortable conversations. And although a lot of the media that we see is doom and gloom, one thing that I think has been extremely positive about the George Floyd situation and the Black Lives Matter protests that have been in response to this is the that this conversation is now out in the forefront. And this conversation around race and white privilege, uh, white supremacy, institutional racism, whatever side of that conversation you are currently on today uh, is an important one to have. And I've been listening to other podcasters like Sam Harris, who um, you know released an episode for two hours about woke politics. And I am currently participating in a white resilience circle uh, with a facilitator who teaches about social justice and racism, uh, who is, you know, the purpose of these circles are for white folks who want to learn about racism, to have a safe place to share and learn and, and, and emote um, because a lot of feelings of shame and guilt and anger and fear and frustration are coming up for white folks. And I think it's important for us to have these spaces and conversations. And I have friends that are reaching out on both sides of these arguments um, with data, with support. But at the end of the day, as Daryl says, this is a heart issue. This is a human issue. We need to be in a place of listening, of learning, um, not canceling one another, not shouting in each other's faces without really giving space. And I predominantly speak from experience as a white man to other white individuals on both sides of the spectrum. I do not know what it's like living in a black neighborhood growing up in black skin. And so I, I have to be sensitive to that. My experience is limited there. Um, but Daryl and Loretta both do. And what I found so beautiful about this conversation is that we were, and it, it does go long, and I know this is a long introduction already, but we were able to really start to pull strings of nuance and disagreement um, from one another. Daryl has been traveling the country for years speaking about forgiveness, and he's wearing a shirt in this episode that says deep forgiveness, but he himself claims that he couldn't walk out into the protest with that shirt right now because forgiveness is a process and people need to experience their grief and anger first before they are told that it's time to forgive, repent, and then forgive as he describes it. And on the other side, you know, we have Loretta, um, who, after her son's murder, built a powerful and strong relationship with the district attorney in Baltimore at that time, who is now a judge, and with the detective who tried her son's case. And has she has a positive relationship uh, with the police as a half-black, half-white woman. And, you know, she highlights that this is, this is an issue that goes deeper than just white police against black people, but it's black on black violence. That is an issue. Um, and then Daryl counters that. And I'm grateful to be able to listen to that conversation 
uh, live, and I hope that you enjoy it. That's really all that I have to say uh, about this. You can check out Panacea Media. I've dropped the, the link in the show notes to learn more about both Daryl and Loretta's stories. <clears throat> if you have stories to share, uh, you can send them to Daniel O'Connor. I'm super appreciative to, to you, Dan, for bringing uh, all of us together here. This is the first time I've had more than three people on the show. It turned into a really great conversation. Dan is extremely humble about his work, um, but he is really doing some powerful work down in Baltimore. He's pushing for positive change in an industry that is fundamentally broken, that plays on our basest human nature rather than elevating us. And so I'm super grateful to Dan, happy to have him as a friend, and I'm grateful to Loretta and Daryl for coming on the show. And of course, I'm grateful to all of you listeners. Let this be an opportunity for media to heal. So without further ado from me, here's the episode. <laughs> Loretta, Dan, Daryl, thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Really excited for this episode. Uh, I know this is an important conversation that we're about to have. So for listeners tuning in, um, Dan and I were connected through a good friend, Anthony Yoon, a few months back, um, actually at the end of 2019, and we were recording a podcast episode about Dan's company, Panacea, which is basically creating positivity in media, um, using media as medicine, which is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently. And we recorded an episode. We sat down together in New York. Um, and about two months later, I was going to release a bunch of episodes together, actually, about criminal justice reform um, and how we can improve the, the criminal justice system in America. And that's why Dan and I connected. Uh, actually, my, my computer with seven episodes on the topic was stolen when someone broke into my car uh, in Santa Monica which was kind of interesting and, and disappointing um, for me as kind of a steward of, of the messages that my guests share. I didn't you know, back, back up the conversations, but things happen for a reason. And you know, here we are again, Dan reached out a month ago and we had a conversation about what we could cover and how we could really engage um, the listeners, all of you in a way that I think is is more impactful, more profound. And Dan had the idea of asking both Daryl and Loretta to join us to share their stories um, today. And so with that, that's kind of a little bit of background of how this came to be. For the listeners, bear with us. This is the first time that we're doing a lookup um, with more than uh, two guests and we're all in different places and, and uh, there might be some technical difficulties, but I'm beyond excited and honored to have everyone who's on this uh, on this show joining today and at this most important time. So I just want to kick it over to Dan uh, to give a little bit of an introduction on himself and on Panacea. And then I think we'll dive in um, for starters with your story, Daryl. Oh, Sam. Yeah, Mark, thanks again so much for, for having us. Um, it's an honor. Um, and um, I feel good to be in great company. You know, Daryl's my, my brother in Baltimore and Loretta's my sister down in Baltimore. And, you know, I've heard your shows and, uh, and they're, they're inspiring. And I like that you guys talk about topics 
that are not commonly talked about or discussed, right? So stepping away from the, the normal discussion, let's talk about some other things here. And, and so for me, you know, I embarked on this media uh, adventure about five years ago, and um, it was very much, you know, for, for years I've always watched the media, and I said, this is the media that we're taking in on a regular basis, it, it's not adding to society in a very positive way. Right? So much of it is negative. And, you know, um, and, and, and how does that contribute, right? How does that contribute to the way that we see the world? Because the media has such a big impact on our world and on our culture. And it's so much violence and, and fear and division and tragedy. And, and where's, the, where's the positive inspiring stories, right? Um, where, where, where is that? And, and, and so, you know, I embarked on this journey five years ago. Um, I'd be happy to provide more details on that, but, but I found myself in Baltimore two years ago, you know, um, really a place that there's so few positive stories and there's so much trauma and there's so much violence and it was a new space to me and it was very unfamiliar to me. Um, but throughout this process, you know, being down there and coming to know really inspiring people and really amazing people down there, um, you know, it's become sort of a second home to me, you know, and, um, and, and so I've been honored to share really amazing stories across that city, inspiring stories that have been very, very well received. And, you know, I would say the, the, the biggest one we put out was, was Daryl's story. Um, you know, um, over a year ago, um, we put out Daryl's story across that city and it was like, people were saying, where, where has this been? You know, we don't see these these beautiful narratives, right? Mm. Cause they wake up every morning to see who got shot, you know, who hurt who. And, and so not only, I mean, so these narratives, these stories can inspire and they can help others to, to find healing within themselves. And so, you know, I can go on and on. I'm very passionate about this work. Um, but I think that's kind of just a, a, a little background on, on how I came to be here. Mm. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I agree entirely that we um, now more than ever, we, you know, we need to see positivity in media. There's so much divisiveness. There's so much anger um, and justifiable anger as well. And I, I hope we'll, we'll get into that later. But I think, as you said, you know, one of the most inspiring stories that you've um, shared through the platform has been Daryl. So Daryl, I think this would be a great opportunity for you to introduce yourself and and share your story, uh, a little bit about why you're here and and how we all came to be here. Well, first let me just say thank you, Mark, for um, for having me on uh, to the listening audience. Um, I hope that I say something that inspires you to move towards healing, uh, reconciliation, and forgiveness. Um, I've got my sister Loretta on. And Dan, thank you, um, guys. Dan, thanks for the invite. Um, Loretta, um, another strong sister soldier in the in the journey of healing. Uh, but I'm Daryl Green, um, born and raised here in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, my my organization is called Deep Forgiveness, where it was it was born out of a tragedy that happened to my younger brother, Mark. Uh, my brother was six five, two fifty five. He won a shot put in discus his junior year. Uh, 3.5 GPA, every college university wanted him. His ambition really, Mark, was to, um, and to the listening audience, was to 
to go uh, to the Olympics. Um, great kid, um, gentle giant. Um, he went bowling. He checked his shoes. He used their shoes as he did every time he went. And, um, you know, there was someone took, went behind, a 14-year-old kid went behind the counter, took his shoe. Altercation broke out where management threw the other kid out. And um, that young man went home and armed himself. And as a result of it, um, as my brother went to leave, um, uh, that young man waited for him outside and um, he stabbed him. He died four days later here in shock trauma. Um, my background was in criminal justice. So I was I was away in school in Carolina uh, preparing to go to work for the FBI. But then when this happened, um, all bets were off. I didn't really care about school anymore. I didn't care about any of that. All I, all, only lenses I was looking through were lenses of revenge and retaliation. And so I came home to um, do harm to him, his mother, his sister, his brother, the dog, the goldfish, anybody. I wanted them to feel, you know, the same pain, the same hurt that we felt, you know. And um, and so here's this 14-year-old kid, um, and I see him for the first time in court. And, um, you know, he smiles, but he smiles in the direction of my mom. And, and I, I swore then that was the last time he was ever going to smile. Um, and, um, but he got sentenced to life in prison and Maryland likely is your natural life. And, um, so he spent, he spent 25 years in jail. So you can imagine a 14 year old kid going to jail to an adult institution for, at, at age 14 for 25 years. So for 25 years, he spent inside of a cage and uh, during those 25 years, I, I got to begin to work on myself and, and begin to heal. And um, I asked my higher power um, in the spirit of diversity, whatever higher power guys believe in, um, your, your God is awesome too. But I asked, I asked God just to take the anger off of me and give me something else, Mark. And he gave me, he gave me forgiveness. Hmm. Um, and um, once he served 25 years in jail, then I went to court uh, and I testified on his behalf for his release, i.e. Um, deep forgiveness. Um, and um, we forgave him. Um, I asked the judge, could I shake his hand? Because um, I, I needed that for me, uh, just my whole healing piece. And uh, Bayless was like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. But I asked the judge, and the judge said, if neither man opposes. And uh, he had on a three-piece suit. He had shackles around, um, not three-piece suits that we regularly wear, but he had shackles around his arms, wrists, around his waist, and around his ankles. And um, I went beyond the swinging doors and I and um, went behind those swinging doors and I um, I shook his hand. But I knew that the hand that he used to shake my hand with was the one he used to kill my brother. But I needed that for me to be able to heal. And uh, we forgave him. The judge suspended life all but 30 years. And three weeks later, Mark, um, until you listen to the audience, he was on. Um, he promised me that in court, he promised me that I told him that he was. He was known for taking lives. Now, let's you know and him. That's that's him and I go and take go save some lives together. And he made me that promise in court. And three weeks later, he's on the steps. Him, his mom, and his auntie were on the steps of my work. And um, so it was a very emotional journey. But um, the fast forwarded, um, the young man and I, um, we now work together, mm-hmm. um, helping to heal folks, help moving folks from being in bondage to being free. Um, and helping folks to look through a different set of lenses instead of lenses of revenge or retaliation, but lenses of healing, reconciliation, forgiveness. Um, and so we, we, we now speak all over the country. Um, 
We're a 501c3 organization. We're just putting in work, man. And um, as Dan said, um, it, when he came down, um, you know, we were doing the work, but when he recorded it with Panacea, Panacea and, and he put that piece out, um, um, it kind of changed the narrative for individuals when we're looking at um, how media puts things out. And it was so powerful on how, um, you know, Dan and his team began to look at media in a different way. And out, out, that piece has probably been seen maybe combined, maybe 1.3, 1.4 million times all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so we're just really excited about um, the work, the partnership um, that we're doing, man. So, Mark, thank you for allowing me to come on, man. I'm going to stop there and I'll just add more to the conversation uh, a little bit later, man. But it's about healing. And that's what we're healing, reconciliation, forgiveness, man. So that's what we're trying to do. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm privileged in the sense that I've never, I've never lost a loved one, you know, that close to me. Um, and I, I can't, I can't imagine what it was like. And, you know, coming into this episode, coming into this conversation, I've been kind of struggling with the gravity of that, you know, of how can I hold space for, for this you know, for, for, for you, although you've gone through your healing process and, and found your forgiveness through God, you know, how, how can we really share this in a way that I can, I can understand and, and bear, you know? Um, so just, I feel like there's, I feel like there's so much to learn. I, I have so many questions about that process. Um, I want to, I, I want to offer Loretta the opportunity to share her story as well. Um, and then I think maybe we can, we can all dialogue around, you know, the feelings that came up and, and when you, you know, Daryl, for you in particular, I'm interested in kind of if there was a moment that happened when you found that grace of forgiveness um, that you can point to and say, this is when I went from being enraged or, seeking revenge towards um towards you know the grace of god and 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 really forgiveness is grace um i I don't know if you want to answer that first and then and then um we can give loretta some some space as well let me just say man um mark it's it's a process um this whole healing reconciliation forgiveness is is a process um and I often get asked that same question about when did you know, how did you, was it this, um, um, was it this pivotal moment that happened? Um, I will tell you that I continue to, it's a, it's a daily, it's a, it's daily work for me. It's not every day, uh, Mark, and to the listening audience that I wake up and I feel real good about the young man who took my brother's life. Um, not every day um, I'm in a space um, sometimes and we often him and I often um, you know we giggle about it laugh about it um, but sometimes man he's in my passionate seat and I look over at him like man I can really in my mind I can really do something to you uh, because I have those fleeting thoughts of um, man I'm and you took my brother's life and now we're sitting in my pat. You're sitting in my passenger seat, 
uh, I, I would, uh, so it wasn't, um, it, it's a work in progress, man. This healing work is a, and forgiveness work is, it's ongoing for me. Um, so, so days, I mean, it's just like an NAA, NAAA process. Sometimes, you know, the 12 step piece, sometimes you'll get to step 10 and you're good. Um, and then something happens, something would trigger you and you'll go back to step three, but you never stop pushing towards getting back to 12. Um, so some days are, are very good days, man. Other days I, I think of my brother, um, you know, I miss him often. Um, you know, and so it was, I just think it took me a long, it, this happened in 1988, um, Mark. Um, so it took me over two decades to get to where I am if that can answer the question better. And so it, it was, it's, it's been a journey. Um, and like I said, I'm still not at the end of my journey. I'm still working on it, but we're able now to, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And I began to think about what was his life like that he would leave the bowling alley, go get a knife and come back. Well, you know, what was going on in your world? Um, at age 14, you make decisions that you can't take back. And so, um, I can't point to one moment, um, but I just think God had been preparing me for this. He had been pre preparing me for this from the work that I've been doing uh, to now uh, for this for this space. Um, you know, we got brothers and sisters not speaking to each other, husbands and wives, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, and my. And I say to them, man, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all it's all small stuff. If I can forgive the kid who took my brother's life, surely you can forgive your neighbor who parked halfway in your driveway or um, or your sister who regifted something to you, you know, come on. And so it, it's a process, man. I, I can't point to one point, but I know I was just tired of, I asked God to take the anger off of me. Um, and I was tired of being angry. So I asked God to take the anger off me and give me something else. And he gave me forgiveness. And so um, I've been riding with that every since, man. So uh, and trying to help other folks um, around the country and around the world in most parts. And that's one thing I noticed from one of your other speeches, Daryl, that I watched earlier, you know, um, I think there's this, there's this interesting hesitancy amongst people these days to say the word God. And I know we all, I know we all have different views. Many of us have different views on kind of what God represents, but I, I would love to, and I think you do as well, because I, I've heard you say this, just encourage that the use of that, like, why not elevate, elevate a force beyond us? Why not elevate that force of love and positivity and, and, and grace? I, I'm with you on that. And Mark, I'll just say, um, you know, because I speak to so many diverse audiences, I always have to preference because I'm, I'm bold about God. I'm bold about yeah. who he is in my life. Right. Yes. Um, but when I, when I go to speak, um, when I go to speak, I speak in so many d diverse audiences. I have to always preface it by saying in the spirit of diversity, whatever higher power you believe in, your God rocks too, um, because that can be a portion that you cut me off. Right. But it's not mm -hmm. about that. Um, and you don't want to hear my story anymore because I mentioned God. Well, um, you worship who you worship. I worship who I work. I worship. And that should not be a. That should not be a. Um, a ramp where now you want to get off, you know, we're on the highway together. And so I, I, I have to be, um, uh, in some cases, um, delicate to other folks 
thought processes, right? But I'm real clear who woke me up this morning, man. And so God is super, he's just super amazing, man. And I can't take any credit for this work, right? Mm -hmm. God gets all the glory for it. So um, thank you. Thank you. I, f I feel that so strongly. I feel, I feel that. And yeah, it's, uh, it's grace. He's grace. She's grace. As you said, whichever God you, you choose to worship, but there's a, there's a power in that. There's a, such a strong power in that. And, and I feel it come through and mm, I, um, I guess, you know, Loretta, we, you haven't had the opportunity to share yet. I, I, I would really, you know, kind of like to hear how you were connected with Dan, how you were connected with Daryl, your journey. Um, and I know that the audience would like to hear as well what, how you got here and, and why we're talking today. My name is Loretta. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Dan, and thank you, Daryl. Came to Dan came to me about my son, 14 years old, March the 25th, 2006, here in Baltimore to gun violence. And I met Daryl because we was at a seminar, and I met him from Deep Forgiveness. So that's how we got here today. And mm -hmm. on March 25th, 2006, I lost my son. He got shot eight times in the Torch Fire down in Somerset Projects in East Baltimore. I was on my way to work that morning. And it was yellow tape outside. And I seen that yellow tape, so I continued to work, continued to go to work. I went to the gas station, which I go every morning. And I asked the guy in the gas station what happened. He said, a young boy over there got shot. When he said a young boy, my heart went straight to my foot. And he said, who I said, my son smoke. I felt it in my heart. So I got to work, and I was telling everybody on my job that would happen. And they didn't believe me. They thought I was going crazy, but I just felt that like a mother know um, it's a mother tuition. I knew. So I cried and I cried. I went in the bathroom and I said, God, it's nobody here but me and you. You know, that young boy that got shot in Somerset was my son. So later on that day, we kept calling. My I called my daughter and told her somebody got shot in Somerset. She said, man, listen, I got to go get my taxes done. I said, okay. So I called his baby mother. She said, I gotta go get my hair done. I said, okay. So we kept calling around, calling around. Later on that day, my daughter called me at work and we was talking. She said, mom, I called the city mug, gave him his description and everything. I'm waiting for him to call me back. So as we was on the phone, they called her and she clicked over and I said, well, who was that city? She said, that was the um, people from city mug. I said, city, are you ready for this? She said, no. I said, you dis-ID'd your brother. She said, that's not true. I say it is because they wouldn't have called you back. You had already gave him the description of him. So that took a toll on my life. Like it changed my life forever. The pain is still there. It's been 14 years. But I can face the guy this day to go into the prison and tell him that I forgive him for what he done to my family. Because my son left off, his son was five and a half months old when he died. 
So now he's 14 years old and he don't have the opportunity to go to the basketball games with his father. His father don't have the opportunity to watch him graduate or get married or become that man that he was. Snoop was a good person. He wanted to be a rapper. He was about to go on tour on March the 31st, 2006, but he was killed March the 25th. So, and that, and I came with Dan, when Dan came to Baltimore, and he was interested in my story, it opened up my heart because he let me know that he cared, that he cared that what was going on in Baltimore. And then I met Daryl, and Daryl was like my hero with Dan, because for, if I see how strong God made Daryl, Daryl made me strong. Mm. And Dan made me strong. So I appreciate Dan. He's my brother. He's my brother from another mother. I appreciate him. And I just want any mother out here on this listening know that if you lost a loved one, no matter where you at, you are not alone. My name is Loretta Blackledge. You can reach me on Facebook. I'm always available. If you need somebody to talk to, I am here. And it's a pain that we will have to deal with. And we'll get through by the grace of God. And if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here today because I was on an urge of killing myself because I was hurt. And I store hurt to this day because it's very, very, very painful to know that somebody just took your child and ripped your whole family apart. That is the worst pain that you ever want to experience in life. But I try to stay strong because of his son. So I have to be supportive to him. So that's why I joined force with Daryl and Dan, because I want the world to know about my son. And I want to be a blessing to somebody else that's out there to let them know that you can get through it. It's not easy. It's a struggle. I have my good days. I have my bad days, but you will get through it. And if you need anybody to talk to, you can always reach out to me. I'm always available. And thank you, Mark, for inviting me. I'm sorry I'm crying, but it just hurts so bad. Yeah, it's... Thank you, Loretta, for sharing. I can't, you know, as I mentioned, I can't imagine the feeling, the sensation of, of losing someone so close, a loved one like that. And I think um, similar to what I asked Daryl, I'm... I'm you know, as it still hurts, but you said you were, you were going to, um, you forgive the, the person who, um, who killed your son. And have you, have you met this person yet? I met him and I didn't meet him personally, but I seen him in court. In 2018, we went for a post-conviction. A post-conviction is when he was trying to give his time back, but of course it was denied. So I want to meet him. In person, like I want to go into the institution face to face to let him know that I forgive him because the God that I serve allows me to forgive him. Mm-hmm. I don't have to forget, but I have to forgive him. And it's helping me to grow and to help our mothers to grow, too, because we have to forgive and we have to come together to make this world a better place. I think that that's beautiful. And I think... Um... You know, it's something that I heard I heard Daryl mention, and it's I think it's an important 
it's an important point that you made, Loretta, which is you don't have to forget. I find that when people think of forgiveness, they often they often think that it means maybe you know you have to love that person or um, you know I, I see Daryl, you're 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 nodding your head no no shaking your head no. I'd love to um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Right now, I got um, the the mute button on because the background noise, but would would love to hear kind of your thoughts on on forgiveness um, and how how it's not necessarily being weak or meaning that you have to love, but like what I guess the question I I want to ask you both is like what what is forgiveness? What does forgiveness mean to you? Forgiveness means to me for me is to help me move forward mm-hmm. and to give this person that caused a lot of pain in my life and in my family life. And because the God that I serve, because God is a forgiving God. Mm-hmm. So order to walk in God's shoes, you have to be that forgiving person as God. Mm-hmm. So that's how I look at it. I look at it as I'm walking God's shoe and this is what God want me to do because I could be in a crazy house right now, but God kept me in perfect peace so I can share my story and be a blessing to someone else. So that's why I'm here today because he kept me. I could have been in a crazy house or on drugs, but I didn't go that route. I stand strong. I cry at night. I think about my son. Sometimes I have attitudes, but I get on my knees and I ask God to forgive me. So if God can forgive me for my sins, I can forgive men for theirs. Yeah. And um, and Loretta, you mentioned that you, you know, is this the first time that you're sharing this story? Um, or have you been speaking to other families that have lost loved ones? I shared it, I shared his story before at the um the jail through the family breathing center. I shared it with Daryl and I, when they invited me out, when they had an event, I believe last year, I shared it with them. I shared it with, um, it was another group I shared it with, where me and I went to the cemetery and we did, behind the sisters, we did a um, thing at the cemetery, yeah. I guess for, you know, this is open open conversation for both of you, like right now, there's a lot of anger, um, you know, after, after George, George Floyd and, and, you know, George Floyd and before that, Ahmaud Arbery and Brianna and just so many, you know, so many black and, and, and brown and people of color, young, young people um, who are losing their lives in an unjust way. Um you know, I, I know that's not necessarily, we're not here to talk about current events, but I'm just curious, like, what what you're feeling through this is, you know, you, you know, you, you both have experienced the, the pain of losing a loved one and have moved through it with forgiveness. What, how, how are you feeling about this moment in right now, this, the, the kind of anger and, 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 you know, rage and, also, like the incredible peace and coming together that we're seeing across the board. What, what's coming through for you right now? 
Let me let me just say um, let me let me let me ask let me just say this: forgiveness is um, forgiveness. First of all, is not about the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask the question that you, answer the question that you asked earlier. Forgiveness is not about the other person. Forgiveness is about you. Um, you know, folks are like, man, why did you let him off? Why did you let this guy off the hook by forgiving him? Um, and I just said, I didn't let him off the hook. I let myself off the hook from carrying that baggage around, from carrying that huge weight around all day, every day, being angry. Um, you know, forgiveness for me is like um, agape love. It's like the highest form of, of, of God's love. It's the highest form of love that you can have. And so that's what forgiveness is for me, represents for me. And if a guy, as Loretta said, if God, for, you know, who am I not to forgive? If God forgave me, you know, then who am I not to forgive? Now it's a process to mm-hmm. get there. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it's so interesting that um, some, I mean, black folk are some of the most forgiving people in the world, are some of the most forgiving people in the world. And, um, you know, I remember speaking about media, I remember um, when the nine folks were, um, were killed in the church in South Carolina. And the very next day, there's a record, a reporter sticking a, a microphone in the, one of the um, uh, victim's families. He said, do you forgive him? And I was like, man, come on. You know, are you, uh, this, this just happened. Um, so I'm going to fast forward to what's going on now um, with the murder of George Floyd and so many other black and brown folks across the country. Um, I could not go to the protest and wear this shirt, mm. which says deep forgiveness, which is my company, because um, this has been a very, very emotional time for me. Um, it's been a very emotional time for me because I'm saying, man, come on, you know, come on. When, when is enough enough? Um, you know, I can't, my wife came downstairs on Sunday morning. I just cried all day Sunday. I just, I just couldn't get myself together because I'm saying, man, come on, you know, in my next is what does and so I could not go to the protest and wear my shirt because folks weren't ready to hear anything about um, forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they weren't ready to hear anything about me talking about deep forgiveness and we've got to come. No, 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 no. Folks are still in the grieving process. Folks are still in pain. Um, it, it's crazy. Um, and the madness continues. It's crazy. Just on yesterday, Mark, um, I watched the police pull over this young black kid, and um, now I'm on way on the other side of the street. I'm sitting on the hood of my car, and I'm watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one officer looked at the other officer once they let him go, and then he turned to me. And um, now I'm 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 way across the street, but I'm watching, and they know I'm watching, and. Um, then they get in their cruiser and then they come over to me, you know, and I'm saying y'all not learning when y'all go, you know, until we fix the culture and the climate. Um, and listen, we, I'm going to say this, man, is that we can't, man, I'm, I'm so emotional right now. 
I'm full. I'm done. Mm. Um, but we can't, Mark. We can't legislate our way out of this thing, man. This is a this is a heart thing. Mm. This is a heart thing. Um, no, no rules, no regulations can we put in place to change a person's heart. Um, my skin, my skin color, Mark. I am victim, I am criminalized because of the color of my skin. I'm guilty because of the color of my skin. And I'm saying, man, I shouldn't have to tell you I'm a professor. I shouldn't have to tell you that I'm through, I've never been in trouble with the law. I shouldn't have to tell you, um, you know, I got three degrees. I shouldn't have to tell you that. Mm. Um, and you started a piece earlier, man, about I'm a human being. Mm. And until we realize that, man, um, you know, man, the world's going to be crazy. So I, I can't go and tell my brothers and sisters right now who are protesting, they got to forgive. I can't do that. And folks are like, they want me to come speak today and they want me to talk about forgiveness. And I'm saying I can't put myself in that space um, to have them to rush past this pain, this hurt, mm. this, this shame. I mean, all this stuff you want me to rush, you want me to help them because it makes you, you feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm saying, no, um, I've got a Black Lives Matter flying over my house right now. I live in a neighborhood, a whole lot of folks might be upset with me. Um, you will call me a racist um, because I got Black Lives Matter. Why do I even have to fly a flag that says Black Lives Matter for my life to matter, for you to get it? And so um, I can't, Mark, I can't. Forgiveness is a process, man, and healing is a process. Reconciliation is a process. But we need to repent. Hmm. We need to repent. Hmm. That means we gotta we gotta start thinking differently. We gotta start acting differently. We gotta start moving in a different direction. And until we repent, um, this this world is gonna be continue to be crazy. Um, I hate that I um I'm emotional um, when it comes to this piece, man, but. I got to let folks go through this grieving process before I begin to talk to them about forgiveness um, and healing um, because it's so raw, man. Um, it's so raw. My, my nine-year-old, Mark, I'm going to leave on this. My nine-year-old, we were coming from church and I got a three-piece suit on and my family's in the car and I said to um, the police gets behind me and I said to them, you know, I'm not getting on the ground. I'm not getting on the ground in my three-piece suit and allow um, you, and I'm done, done, I haven't done anything wrong, allow you to um, dehumanize me even more, to take my masculinity in front of my children. I can't, I'm not going to do that. And so my nine-year-old, she's 13 now, if I go to go to the store, just around the corner, she said, Daddy, be safe. But I know when she says be safe, what that means to her, right? And the next thing she says to me is, daddy, and whatever they say, do, do. And it takes it, and, and that shouldn't be her narrative, man. 
That should not be her narrative. And so I can't go out there and talk to my people, which is a very diverse group of folks, to talk to them about forgiveness right now um, because it's a process and folks are hurting all over the world, man. And I thank God for my white allies um, who are standing shoulder to shoulder with us to, to tell the world that um, we can't do this anymore. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for my white allies to be able to say, I'm, I'm riding with you. Hmm. So you asked a powerful question, Mark. And um, right now I can't, and they call me the forgiveness guy. Um, but I got to let this thing, I got to let folks heal and go through this grieving process, man, because it's a, it's a tough piece right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone's feeling it right now. And I think um, I hear you and, and I appreciate Daryl, you know, you honoring um, allies, but really this is, this is, this is so deep. This is such, um, such deep shadow work, I would call it on ourselves, you know, like I, I really respect and honor that you're, that you're, you know, as you said, this is, this is what you do. You travel about and talk about forgiveness. And even you recognize that right now, a part, it sounds like a part of forgiveness. Forgiveness sounds like an emergent process where we first must feel the feelings that are coming up for us, regardless of what they are and honor them and make space for them. And I feel like that's where we're at right now. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of confusion, a lot of anger, um, a lot of just like, again. And, and to your point about, you know, walking around in your skin and having that be, um, you know, a sign of guilt is, is, uh, I mean, it's just, it's something that I think, I think, you know, white, white folks have ignored and particularly, you know, progressive liberal white folks, which is why I'm also even hesitant. I felt that this is an important conversation, an important piece of this all to tie together to the present moment. But I'm hesitant to have that conversation because, you know, I'm not here to make it about, you know, white guilt and white and white shame. I want I want to listen um, to your experience and what what's happening with you and to hear you as a leader in your community for all for all different folks, as you mentioned, say, like, it's time for people to feel right now. That's really powerful. Yeah. One of the one of the this great this pastor said the other day, white pastor the other day says, man, in order for me to be able to in order for me to be able to stand, I gotta sit first. I gotta sit and listen first, and then I can stand. Because I see you, I feel you. Um, and so which was so incredibly powerful, and that's what you just alluded to, Mark, is that I got to be able to just be still and and be able to listen, right? And let folks get that piece out, man. And so, um, man, I honor you guys, man, for allowing us to come on um, and have this space uh, to be able to talk. So, Dan, I love you, brother. You know that. Um, um, 
my brother from another mother, um, Mark Pike, my space man. Um, uh, but I said it's a, it's a process, man. It's an emotional raw time right now. Hey, 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 Mark, can can I comment on that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so so look, you know, I had some technical issues. I was cut out for a little while there. Very unfortunately, when Loretta was speaking, I didn't get to hear everything she said, and I'm a little disappointed. But um, um, I don't know if it was, you know, I want to talk about what you guys are talking about there, but I just also wanted to just comment on on Daryl and Loretta and, and this relationship here, right? They inspire me, right? I learned from them. This is a new space for me. And I'm listening to them constantly, and I'm, and I'm learning about their experiences. I've never been there. Right. But I'm, I'm trying my best to understand them. And, you know, what's what what inspires me. Right. Is, you know, I see how contagious this is. Right. I see this forgiveness and the way that Daryl was able to inspire others through his story. Right. Daryl inspired Loretta, you know, to find forgiveness in herself, in her heart. Right. And then we had Loretta on. On the on on, you know on our platform, we shared her story and she was able to inspire others through her story, right? It's, this is contagious because it's so deep and it hits home for so many people on so many levels, you know? And so I'm not the kind of guy that tells other people how to live their lives, but if we can inspire, if you can allow other people to heal through their, your own example, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, you know? And, and so, um, I'm just so grateful to know them and to have them in their lot in my you know my life and be able to share their stories. You know, I mean, I, I brought they brought tears to my eyes on m- multiple occasions. You know, and I know these other mothers down there who who and I feel their pain and 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 and, and they inspire me. And so, you know, um, and on the topic you were just talking about, right? What Daryl was saying at the pastor, right? When you sit down and you you actually hear that other person. Right. This is the nature of our work, you know, because the media, so much of it, the movies, the TV shows, the news, they dehumanize us. Right. We're statistics. Right. We're statistics. We're caricatures. But we don't get to see that really deep human on a deep emotional level in a, in a lot of these stories. You hear the news, someone such, such and such got killed. And, but then you don't see the human struggle afterwards on a deep emotional level. We don't get that side. We don't get that piece, right? And so two things I just wanted to mention, right? So what we are trying to do is we're trying to organize a discussion between an officer and the person whose family member that officer killed, where they can see each other on a human level and you could see the pain you put that person through and you can, maybe, maybe there's some forgiveness, but that is really deep on a human level, right? On a person-to-person human level where you can feel it, you know? And so, you know, we have a you know, potential story there that we're working on. And, and so it's media humanized, right? And then, you know, the other thing I want to point out, you know, our Panacea, our first big story was two men got in a fight at a Trump rally, Right. Mm-hmm. It was an old white man in North Carolina punched a young man of color named Rakeem Jones. And so the news media, they dehumanized them. They told the story for them. And we brought them together for a face-to-face dialogue where we're actually able to, you know, 
speak to each other from a place of compassion and empathy. And wait a second, we don't hate each other. We don't hate each other. And then they went in front of a judge a month, a few weeks later, and they hugged and they cried. When you're able to connect on that human level where that, that you're able to empathize on a deep level. Um, so this is, this is what keeps me motivated. This is what keeps me passionate. And I just thought that that made, you know, might be appropriate for what you guys were talking about. Daryl, a question for you, man. You mentioned that you were training to be um, in the FBI. Um, I'm just, I bring this up because right now there's, there seems to be so much hate towards, um, towards, you know, people in the criminal justice system, towards police officers, et cetera, because, because of frankly, a system that's fucked up and behavior that's fucked up and should not be condoned. Um, I'm curious kind of what, what happened with that process and, you know, what your, your personal relationship is to, um, I guess, to not officers, I don't want to say, but folks in the criminal justice system at this point in time? Well, let me just say, um, uh, I wanted to be, I, I, I own I student loans, man. And so because I own student loans, the FBI was like, no, you're too much at risk. <laughs> so now we're talking about a whole nother system that's broken. Yeah, student so, loans. Right, right. So, <laughs> so the crazy mark is, is that when that happened, when my brother was killed, it changed my whole life. It changed my whole thinking process um, where I wanted to get to these babies before I wanted to get to these young folks before they got into the criminal justice system. So I started working in human services and I never looked back. Right. I never looked back. Um, now my BA, my first master's in criminal justice. Right. Um, so I understand the system. Uh, second master's in social work. I'm a professor at B Morgan state university, um, doing a lot of work around restorative justice. Um, I have family members that are police officers that are in law enforcement. Um, um, I would just say to you that we have to change the culture and the climate, the culture and the climate. And until we change the culture and the climate um, um, of the law enforcement, um, uh, the criminal justice system is going to continue to be crazy. It's going to continue to be chaotic. It's going to continue to have individuals who thought that they were um, because I watch, which is my which is my right to watch as long as I'm not um, interfering with um, the process. Um, it's my right to watch you It's my right to record you. But how dare you watch us? And so now we're going to come and intimidate you. Um, and so when you get through um, we got to get rid of those folks, right? Um, but it starts with the culture and the climate of, of the agency, um, of that particular uh, police department, um, Baltimore County, Baltimore City, and, and folks all across the country. We got to change the culture and the climate, man. And um, we reached out to have do some work. It's, it's interesting because we were supposed to um, I reached out to Baltimore City Police Department to begin to, to have these conversations, right? Those difficult but courageous conversations um, around black and brown people under the police department. How do we heal? How do we come together? On April 20th, I was supposed to do the keynote address at the Ohio 
um, Chiefs of Police National Conference. Their their staff, their staff, um, the all the Chiefs of Police in Ohio, because it's crazy there too. Uh, in their staff to talk about the relationship between the black and brown community and the police and how do we heal. Uh, unfortunately, because of COVID-19, um, that got, can- you know, got canceled, rescheduled. But I just think, man, we need to have those difficult but courageous conversations. Um, as Dan said, we got to humanize each other. We got to sit in the room. But, it, but because you have a badge and a gun, um, Does that make you the judge and the jury? Does that make you? Does that make you not treat me with the same level of respect that they treat you or Dan? Um, you know, and I just think, man, the whole criminal justice system. I mean, I, I went to court maybe three or four months ago, and I watched it play out right in front of me. There was a young white boy who had a quarter. I mean, who, who had an attorney did the same exact offense as a young black boy, but he had a public defender. Mm. That young white kid got off um, probation, whatever. This young kid, black kid, gets five to seven years for the exact same thing. And so um, I just think the system, it's a systems thing and it's broke. The system is broke. So when it comes to the educational system, when it comes to the criminal justice system, when it comes to the correctional system, um, the systems needs overhaul, man. And but I will tell you this. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. We can't legislate our way out of it. Um, And as I said earlier, my skin color is weaponized against me. Before I even open my mouth. It's weaponized against me before I even open up my, my mouth, man. And so, um, you know, I, I have a great deal of respect for police, the ones who are doing what they're supposed to do. Those who want to abuse their authority and do anything other than that, I have an issue with. Um, and so um, we can get through this, man. I, I, I pray every day, Mark, um, that we can get, we, can, we're, we are better. Let me just say that we are better. Mm-hmm. We are better than what we are showing right now, man. We're better. And that's what Mark I mean. That's what that's what um Dan is trying to do with Panda said. He's we we better. And until he got that old white guy who punched that dude at a Trump rally and 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 the other kid together, they got a chance to see each other. And not hearing all this other background noise, man. And so that's why I love the work that Dan's doing, man. And um, we're better. We are better, man. We are better. We are better. And that's my hope because I can't go to the despair aspect of it. Yeah, and I think I think following on that, you know, it is a hard issue. As you said, I see it on on a few levels. It's it's a personal each one of us has to look within ourselves. And when I say one of us, I also particularly say, speak to, to white folks because if the system that I'm a part of, that I benefit from is creating injustice towards other, other folks and, I, and they're outside of the system or mistreated, it's my responsibility or partially to look inwards and say, what, 
how am I contributing to the system and, and how can I change my own behavior and recognize that the, the, the shit inside of me that is showing up in a way that is, that is totally inappropriate and that that needs to be fixed. So that's, that's one thing. And that, and that happens at a heart level. And then on an interpersonal level, listening, you know, like having conversations like these, um, and then take, you know, hopefully taking action. I hope that certain, certain actions can, can change can change the system for the better. But I agree that it starts with, it starts with the inner work for all of us. I, um, you know, I also, I noticed another thing that I noticed in, in Loretta, in, in your story was that the police officers that you interacted with and, and the DA who, who helped, you know, in your story, like you stayed in touch with them for a long time. And so you, you know, uh, what's, what's your relationship like to, to that system and or on an individual level, even with the offices that help with my son, Kate, she's speaking about. Yeah, yeah. Man, Kevin Wakens built a relationship together, a friendship from the strength of my son, um, Case. When I met him, he told me, he said, if I had mothers like, if it was more mothers out here that souls concerned like you, it would make my job easier. And he was like, I'm going to pray on this case and I'm going to come out with the victory. And he did an awesome job and we continue to stay in touch with each other since then. The only one I haven't talked to since the um, trial was the detective. And his name is Michael Johnston. And I would really want to sit down with him, me, him, and Dan, and Kevin Wiggins and do a story because they took interest in my son and, and me. And I liked him as a person. And I'm not, I'm not racist because I'm mixed. I'm half white and I'm half black. So I'm not, I never was racist. I never was brought up racist. So I just pray to God that we all have equal rights. Like Martin Luther King said, I had a dream one day we shall overcome. And I just stand on that word that I'm, the, the whole world needs to repent and we need to start from the White House. We need to get the racist president out and we'll be better. And I think we got some bad cops. We got some good cops. We got some people. We got, you know, it's not just about, to me, it's not just about Cops killing us or black lives matter. That's something I don't address. But because black people kill black people each and every day. So we got a problem all around the world. But I, my relationship with them is awesome. I, I like them. I like the police department. I like doing stuff with the police department. I like um supporting them. I love supporting Dur um Daryl and Dan. Damn, my brother from another mother, and I express that if we all look back to re slavery time, we all mix, we all came from re slavery. So we just have to find a way, like Daryl said, and repent. And it starts with the criminal justice first, because you're right, I watched some of these police in Baltimore profile these young black brothers because of the color of their skin, and we have to stop. And I also watches how black people treats white people. And that has to stop. So it go both ways with me. 
and I'm gonna keep it 100. I understand what Daryl's saying, but it's on both sides, and we have to change. And I would love to see Kevin Wiggins again because Kevin Wiggins was a prosecutor, and now he's a judge. So now he is a judge, and he did an awesome. He did an awesome job. He really, he really did. And I thank you, Mark, from joining me. And you, my number brother, now. So now you in the family now. So welcome to the family. <laughs> thank you. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable because of what's going on in the world, even. So I want you to know that you are a part of us too, because we all God's kids. We God of what kind of race we are. We are God's kids. But with all of us together, we can hopefully aspire somebody. And with this, like Daryl said, we do need healing, Daryl. And I think, Daryl, you got to pray on it and ask God to give you the strength to come out and let them know about forgiveness because a lot of them hurting. But yes. if you don't forgive, you're going to continue to stay in. You're going to continue to stay locked. Yeah. So we have to change, and it starts with us. So yeah. if you just pray on it and ask God to guide you through it. I'm going to get that message through. Yeah, and, and some of these protests, Daryl, is being leaded the wrong way. Yeah, being leaded the wrong way. See, Martin Luther King when he protests. They join hands. Yeah. They didn't disrupt the properties and burn. That's not the way you do it. So yeah. I'm asking yeah. you have to because I'm hurting to see how we are allowing this Black Lives Matter burn down in these cities. And that's what's hurting me the most because these um owners don't deserve this. That police officer that Retired police officer that was protecting his job did not deserve to die because this is not the way God wants us to be free and bailed from this black lives and We have to find another way to go, Daryl. And I think, Daryl, you can lead us there. I'm sorry. I think you can lead us there. Let me let me say this is that um, sometimes we got to be comfortable. Right. We, we, sometimes we got to be uncomfortable. Yes. Sometimes we got to be uncomfortable in order for us to be um, okay in the space that we're in. Right. And I think that folks have been so comfortable um, because silence to me equals complicit. Right. Your silence is deafening. Right. America, your silence is deafening. Um, and so sometimes, man, we got to be uncomfortable. Right. Um, sometimes, sometimes. If you don't let me in the house. To feel the warmth. I'm going to burn the house down so I can feel the warmth. Yeah. Either you let me in the house so I can get I can get some some heat. Oh, I'm going to burn the house down so I can feel the warmth. Um, and in some cases, um, can you hear me now? Because in some cases, you got to go 
and I'm not pro, I'm not I'm not advocating any violence, I'm not advocating any of that. But sometimes you got to shake things up in order for folks to even begin to listen or to hear you. Sometimes you've got to go and see protests all over the world, black, brown, white, Asian, small, whatever, whatever. You got to do that in order for now that the world is hearing us. Right. And so um, isn't it a shame, though? Isn't it a shame that I've got to say to folks that that Black Lives Matter, that my life matters? Isn't it that says something there that I've got a flag that says my life matters? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That is, that's, my baby's lives matter. My girls, my children, my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews, their lives matter. And why are we in a, we're in a society that I got to say to you, hold on, wait, hold on. Um, my life matters too. Um, you know, does everybody life matter? Yes. But add me to that equation. <laughs> you know, add me to that, add me to that equation. Add your grandson to that equation. And so for me, um, I just think that we need to be better. And I said that all the way around. Everybody needs to be better. Um, but we need to come to a space um, where my life is just as, value, as valuable as Mark's. My life is just as valuable as as, as Dan's. Yeah. Um, your life is just as valuable as anybody else's. And so... Why should we have to say that? Why should we not just be doing that already? Um, and that's and that's the part, man. That um, um, but there's a time and a space for everything, right? And for me personally, I don't still think that my space. Um, folks have got to go through what they're going through in order for me to in order for me to meet them on the other to help them to get to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So from I'm sorry, Mark. Go ahead. No, no worries. I, I was going to say uh, it's it's this is great because I think to hear, you know, conflicting viewpoints, but also coming together around around one black lives mattering and two, we all are human. But the argument that that I I've heard that was most convincing to me is like if a bone if a bone in my body were broken. And I were like, man, my wrist is broken. Like, I need to give that wrist attention right now. And somebody came up to me and was like, all bones matter. You know, like, like black lives matter because to some people, black lives don't matter. And that's, <laughs> and I think that's, yeah, that's, that's the key, right? That's, that's, that's what's going on right now. And I think that's why it's super important. And, um, the discomfort that you mentioned, Daryl, I think is so, so, so important right now. I think that it's so, so important for people to feel uncomfortable. Like when we bypass these emotions, when we bypass and we don't feel into emotions, when we bypass anger, for example, it turns into resentment. And then as you mentioned in a previous video, you're drinking the poison of non-forgiveness. Every day you're drinking the poison. But if you feel that anger then you can move through that anger. You don't move around the anger, you move through. And so 
Yeah, I feel it. I feel it all. And I'm holding, trying to hold space for a lot of conflicting emotions, a lot of conflicting views. Um, people reaching out to me on, on all sides. You know, I post something about Black Lives Matter and I have, you know, a friend reach out and be like, dude, you're getting swept into the media frenzy, you know, and, and I, you know, and I, I post something about maybe being an, being an ally and being silent you know, it is possible to be, to do that at the same time because some white people have inner work to do right now to figure their shit out so that they can step out into the world and then do something. And I'm getting it from both sides. And I think a lot of people are, and they're feeling it and they're going through this bypass of like, I'm, I'm not racist. I'm okay. You know, in a performative way that can be really, um, I think detrimental because it just perpetuates the nonsense that's been happening for since, since I was born. And you and you don't have a racist, you know, I don't have a racist bone in my body. You don't have a racist bone in your body until you do, <laughs> you know, until you do. And we all have biases. We all have. Listen, if I walk down the street and I see um, three cats that look a little rough, man, I, watch. I'm I'm across, <laughs> across the street. You know what I mean? That's it's just what it is. Um, let me, I'm going to try to stay out of the way, man. But we got to have these difficult but courageous conversations, man, where we don't want to have those conversations. Um, you know, um, most of my white friends are, have, have been taught not to even talk about race. Yes. I don't don't even talk about it. Don't even bring it up. Why are you bringing up race? Why are you bringing up color? Why? Right. Everybody is a human. Right. And so, you know, I've been, I've been, Mark, I've had the same as that calls coming from all over the country. My white friends call me and say, hey, Daryl, man, listen, I saw a post. Well, hey, Daryl, man, listen, I don't see color. And I said to them, <laughs> one of my neighbors, I said to them, I said, what color is that right there? He said, oh, that's green. What color is that right there? Oh, that's red. What color is that? That's brown. I said, well, you see color. I said, and when you don't see me, when you say to me, I don't see you, then you're robbing me of my entire being. You're you're robbing me of my beautiful blackness, my essence of who I am. So take all of me. I think that's just a cop-out way of saying, um, it's a cop-out way of folks saying to me, um, hey, um, that's a cop-out to say, I don't see color. It's it's saying I'm uncomfortable. I'm I'm uncomfortable with the idea that I might be racist or that I might have patterns of racism because of the way that I was brought up. So I don't see color. And, and as you know, I'm going through this and I'm learning the language, right? I'm learning how, how, and it's going to be a process. As you said, forgiveness is a lifelong process. So, and I, I, I practice spiritual work and I, and I try to you know, try to become a better person every single day. And I fuck up all the time, but that's a process. And, um, and so this is going to be a process. Robin D'Angelo mentioned in White Fragility, like racism is on a spectrum. And so we all have to move through that and those levels. And so uh, I think ignoring the problem has been why people are so mad right now, because we've all just been ignoring the problem. I know that, um, Dan, you have to jump. Uh, if we ended up actually going to 7.30. So, Dan, if you want to say anything before you hop off, I want to give you the floor. And then this, we're, we're, we're in it right now, so I don't just want to cut off the conversation, but I also want to give you the space, brother. So, look, I don't know what was mentioned, but I know that Daryl was talking about, you know, 
difficult conversations, right? And that's a big part of what Panacea is about, and you know, and and the type of media content that we put out there, right? So it's you know, empathy, forgiveness, healing, dialogue, and and it's those difficult conversations, right? And and uh, and so you know, in Baltimore, we've been laying down the groundwork to go film inside the prisons, right? And I don't and I don't know if Loretta mentioned this, but Loretta is is ready to go in there too for that that conversation and um and so you know going back and forth to baltimore for two years you know you can you can feel the pain you can feel the struggles you know so many people on down there have experienced trauma you know and and so um you know these narratives of you know bringing people together for these dialogues right for healing um it's it's the work we're continuing to do you know, and um, I think it inspires others. And, and so, you know, look again, just, just grateful, you know, to be here, grateful to, you know, to, to have Daryl and Loretta in my life. Um, and just to be for the ability to share these stories. And, and, and so, um, Mark, thanks again for having me. You know, I know I had to jump, um, but, um, you know, I really enjoyed the discussion and, um, Love you, Dan. thank you, Dan. Thanks for bringing everyone together here today. And, you know, I've I've been enjoying this and I've been learning and, and listening and so I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Okay. Love you guys. So Love you too, man. All right. Hey, have I'll, a good one. Hey Mark, man, I wanted to say this too. Is that isn't it beautiful that we're able to now to have the conversation? And and listen, and I've been telling folks this, we may not always say the right thing. We may not always say the right word. My white friends are calling me now saying, Daryl, so what, and how do I, and what, and I'm saying, listen, and, and listen, I am, I am, I'm deliberate in, in my, in my approach when I say my white friends, I'm deliberate when it says that, Hey, I'm a big black guy, right? I'm deliberate in that piece because even in that language, folks are um, nervous about um, even saying my white friend uh, or even just saying color, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, even talking about it. But like I said, man, we may not, we may not um, always say the right things. We ain't gonna always get it right. Um, hey man, listen, I didn't understand that piece. Um, help me with that. And that's the beauty of the conversation, right? But when we don't say anything, um, your silence is deafening. Um, but isn't it beautiful now the way to start having the conversation about race, racism, uncomfortability? Um, in some cases, I want you to be uncomfortable because, because that's the only way you're going to grow. That's the only way we're going to grow is that if we're uncomfortable. Imagine going through life all this way, man, and and you are you are comfortable. Come on, man. <laughs> I've been uncomfortable. I've been, man, I've been uncomfortable. I'm about to turn fifty-five, <laughs> and and for fifty-five years, I've been uncomfortable as a black man living in America. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, um, let's have that conversation. Help me, um, or let me help you. You help me. And that way I can better understand your silence. You can better understand um, why I, why I drive, Mark, I would drive from North, every time I would go to homecoming, man, 
I would drive from Baltimore to North Carolina in a shirt and tie. Hmm. A shirt and a tie. Because, and that has been all my life because I realized, I said, well, if I look a certain way, maybe they won't fool with me. If I look this way, but imagine having that, having to go through that, that exercise of, I'm going to put on a shirt and tie. It's two in the morning. It's three in the morning. I got a shirt and tie and tie all the way up here. It's not even a relaxed tie. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have time to pull it up if they pull you Yeah, up. and so I don't, why, why should that be my narrative? But that has been my narrative so that I can be safe, right? Um, and so I'm glad that we are in an uncomfortable space. Um and that we're able to now have this dialogue, man, and um, be able to change the narrative. Um, being a change the narrative, man, because I think that's the only way we're gonna be able to heal. And I said it earlier, man, this is a hard thing. Um, you know, I live in a predominantly white neighborhood. I live on a corner house. I speak to my neighbors all day, every day. Um, there's only been a couple who asked me, am I okay? Because they don't want to talk about. They're afraid. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and that's the uncomfortability piece of it. Um, but we need to move outside of our comfort zone and be able to have those conversations. And to, for the ones who stop and say, yo, Daryl, man, listen, there's a lot of craziness happening. Um, I just want to let you know um, and so um, it's been so beautiful. It's been so beautiful. And you can see us in the conversation trying to make sure that you're okay. I'm okay. But we're having the conversation, Mark. You know, and as I said to them, um, which eased it up for them is that, um, you know, and I said, where do we go from here? And what what eased it up for them was saying, Hey man, you probably going to say something that screwed up. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say something that's screwed up. And, but just know that we're coming from a place of, we're trying to get to the other side, but we're trying to get to the other side together. Right. And um, one of my white friends said, hey, Daryl, man, I've had to tape a a deep dive, um, you know, this past week. And even the conversations that I have with my father, where he you he he said this and that he's always said it. And I'm now in a space where I'm not comfortable with him saying those things or my friends saying those things. And I said to them, you know, ultimately, how does the ultimately, how does the conversations, Mark and Loretta, change at the dinner table? You know, how does that I'm sorry, you guys had some neighbor's truck going by. No worries. Um, <laughs> this is just gonna how, be the raw edit. Yes, but how does that change? How does the conversations now change? Hmm. Um because I says I said we want to be better, um, 
but how does the conversations now change for us to be better? Um, and taking a deeper dive and drilling down in your own sugar honey iced tea that we bring to the table. <laughs> how I've been we... dropping F bombs. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I was glad because I was like, good shit, I can cuss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is an adult show. It's all yeah, good. man. I've been holding, Mark, I've been holding back. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, but look at the beauty of us now being able to laugh, right? Laughter's good. You know, we have yeah. the, we have the difficult conversation first, but at the end of the day, we're no different. We all want to be loved. We all want to raise our children. We all want to be in a safe space. Um. And if we can look through those lenses, we can look through those lenses. Um, we, the world can be better. We can be better. Uh, and that's the only thing I can hold on to. Um, um, you know, we gotta be better, man. And we are better than this. Um, and, and in this process, man, I ain't letting folks off the hook. You know, folks been let off the hook for, for far too long. I'm not, I'm my I'm I'm comfortable. I'm not making I'm not gonna make you feel better in your uncomfortability. You gotta you gotta work through that. It's our work. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta work through that. Um and so um folks are uncomfortable and they're looking to me to make them feel comfortable. And I'm like, Mm-mm. No, that's why I hear my I hear my black brothers and sisters saying like, "Stop calling me." Yeah, me how to deal with your guilt. I've been dealing with this shit my whole life. <laughs> hey, Mark. hey man, I appreciate your realness, man. Hey, I appreciate your realness. I appreciate it because I'm feeling the same. Like, yo, stop calling me, man. I mean, like, yo, yo, deal with your, yeah, deal with your shit. You know you've been acting that way all your life. Stop it. And so, listen, if you calling me and you 50 years old, you like, yo, dude. Um, help me, you know, how do I I do? do? Yeah, you know what to do. You ain't going, you know what to do. (laughs) You already know what to do, man. So don't stop calling me. Speak to your neighbor. (laughs) You know? Yeah, change the conversation. You already know what to do, man. You haven't been doing it. Um, In my neighborhood, um, you know, again, predominantly white neighborhood. Um, I won't tell you all the craziness that happened when I moved here, um, but it was craziness. Um, Maybe I will, they hung a noose in my yard, Mark. (laughs) Um, When I first moved in and um, it was crazy. Cause they were like, well, how are you able to afford what? How? You know, look, man, don't, I'm here. I paid, this is, this is my corner a lot now. And, um, you know, it was just a crazy deal, but it took a while to work through for folks to see me. Right. And it was this older Jewish woman who asked me and I didn't know what she was doing, but she was my ally. 
Um, she asked me, did I know how to garden? And I said, well, no, I know how to cut grass. She said, well, good. You can be a part of the garden committee. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and then when folks saw this big blackout in the garden cutting grass and, you know, they were like, well, sh- shit, he can't be all that bad. I mean, you know, he's like, <laughs> he's, look, he's, he's planting shrubs. He's planting trees. But then I began to, she says, well, Daryl, you know, listen, there's a, there's a, there's a, a position opening up on security. Would you want to be that? Would you want to do something like that? whole time she's being strategic in her whole piece had no idea um did security then for security she says daryl is a piece on the board um what do you think about that did that did it well and then became the vice president of the neighborhood association and then to the president of the neighborhood association but had to maneuver that way mark but how 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 does it feel? I mean, how does it feel knowing that in your neighborhood there is someone, at least one person, that put that noose up? Like how how like I honor you for even being able to move through that because I'd be my eyes would be darting all around, you know, like and and I hear you on this Jewish woman because this is the strategy of all Jewish mothers. And I know that firsthand. <laughs> they know what's up. <laughs> but like as a as a Jewish person, I mean, I even experience like feelings of like if I'm in a, a neighborhood that I know there's not a lot of Jewish people in, my eyes are darting around being like, if they figure out that I'm Jewish, there's someone here that hates Jews. You know, and you had someone outright come and do something like that to you. Yeah, man. And I'm, I'm saying, how do you move through that? How can we ask you to move through that? Well, I, I I said, well, we're not moving. <laughs> so let's just figure out how we're going to do it. And um, how do I work through it, Mark? The grace of God. <laughs> I said all that to say, this for the grace of God, man. And I just know I got a lot of people praying for us, praying for me, um, praying for this movement. Um you know, I've got story after story after story of encounters with with um, with police departments all across this country. Um, you know, negative stories about police officers. And then I've got a lot of good ones, uh, stories. Um, you know, close relationship with folks in the in the, in the police department. Um, but if you got one bad one, or the system, the culture, and the climate, it just it tarnishes that badge. And everybody, you know, when you talk about the thin blue line, that blue line, man, is something because I'm not going to cross across that blue line and tell on another one of my brothers, even if they're wrong. Um, But hopefully, you know, folks are able to move beyond that piece, man. But um, grace, man, grace, Mark, that's all I can tell you. Grace, grace is how um, we got um, to this space, man, just God's grace and and mercy, um, well, you know, His grace and His mercy to be able to to get to this space, man. So, um, I like Loretta and Dan, man. I'm, I'm very thankful that we can have this conversation, and um, I'm uh, I'm excited to have more. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you know this was we've already gone over time, and I want to be mindful of your time and 
and I've got to get going as well. But I, I, I just want to, you know, just say thank you so much. Thank you both for sharing your stories. Thank you for coming on here and having a re- having, frankly, a real conversation about this stuff. And, um, you know, Daryl, I was I was thinking maybe, or Loretta, maybe um, one of you might want to close out with just a quick prayer before we go. Okay. Um, do you want to do? Thank you. Okay. Um, um, can I give my um, website? Oh, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. So my website is www. To the listening audience, thank you guys for listening to me ramble on, and Not thank right. you for listening to me uh, be emotional. Uh, but it's emotional time, y'all. And hurt people, hurt people. My website is is deep forgiveness. www.deepforgiveness.com. D e e p forgiveness all one word dot com. We're a five hundred one c three organization. Um, we can be reached there. You can book us there. You can do do donations there. You can do whatever you want. Just go to the site. Um, I'm thankful, Mark, that um, I had this opportunity for, for giving, for giving us this platform. I saw my sister Loretta and also Dan, um, Loretta, you want to, um, um, give me your contact information. I'm contact on Facebook and my phone, Facebook. You can reach me on Facebook, Loretta Blackland. And I'll post um, both addresses in the show notes and mention it again at the beginning of the show, just so everyone has both of your information. Outstanding. So you want me to pray us out? I think that'd be wonderful. Wonderful. You can pray us out. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, first we just want to say thank you. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for waking us up in our right mind, Lord Father God. You know our hearts, Lord Father God. Thank you for allowing us to have such a beautiful journey today on this on this um, podcast today, Lord Father God. I should hope that um, um, that we touch somebody, Lord Father God, um, just by lifting up your holy name and being bold about who you are. Uh, you're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end, Lord Father God. Nothing happens without you. So this 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 opportunity to be on this podcast today didn't only happen because of you, Lord Father God. Watch over. Loretta, watch over Mark, watch over Dan, Lord Father God, watch over our households, watch over all the folks that are hurting right now and need healing right now, Lord Father God, who needs forgiveness, Lord Father God. Let us be in a space of healing. Let us be in a space of let's be, us just being better, Lord Father God. Let us be better listeners, Lord Father God. Um, continue to watch over, watch over us, Lord Father God. Um, when somebody comes in our space, that doesn't mean well, Lord Father God, let them know that we are a child of God. We are a child, we belong to you, Lord Father God. Bless this world, bless um, Brother Floyd's family and all the other families that are hurting right now, Lord Father God. Um, so we will forever be so grateful we will always lift, give you all the honor and glory and the praise that you deserve, Lord Father God. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless each and every one of the folks that are listening right now, Lord Father God, that they, if they need healing, um, if they need um, to have those difficult but courageous conversations, give them the courage, give them the words to say. We're not always going to get it right, Lord Father God. We know that. But let's just be patient with each other. So thank you. For all you've done, thank you all for all you're going to do. Thank you for Mark, Lord Father God, for creating this space, uh, a safe space for us to be able to talk 
just to be able to come together and have those difficult but courageous conversations, Lord Father God. Watch over him, watch over his vision. Um, in your name we pray, amen. 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 Hey man, thank y'all, man. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank hey, y'all so much. All right. Hello, look up listeners. One final note before we go. Thank you again for tuning in. Going forward, we'll be releasing new episodes of Look Up every Wednesday morning, Eastern Time. If you're getting value from this podcast and you want to give back to support our future, please take a moment to contribute to our community on Patreon. Our Patreon contributors have access to some great additional perks, including one-on-one meditations with yours truly. I've shared the link in the show notes below the episode. You can also find the show notes to this and previous episodes on our website, www.thelookuppodcast.com. If you can't contribute at this time, there are other helpful ways to give back. You can share this episode on social media, tag me, and or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Trust me, every review goes a long way. If you want more content, including more of my personal thoughts, you can follow me on social media. My handle on both Instagram and Twitter is at Wark Meinstein, W-A-R-C-M-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N, or you can subscribe to the Look Up Weekly newsletter on my website. I'm also very responsive to email. So feel free to send questions, booking inquiries, speaking requests, and sponsorship opportunities to marc at thelookuppodcast.com. Finally, for those of you that don't know, I lead virtual yoga, breathwork, and meditation classes, as well as one-on-one coaching and teaching sessions, which you can book from the website or my social media accounts. Thank you to Sam Palumbo and Patch Kid Music for the great intro and outro tunes and for the sound engineering. Thank you, brother. And thank you to all of you listeners for continuing to support the show, for tuning in. And I hope that you've been enjoying this journey as much as I have. 